Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Pastor Major H. Gilbert Sr. Coming to you this morning from On the Wall in Ministries here in Alton, Virginia. We thank God for you joining us at this hour. We're at our Sunday school hour this morning, first Sunday in October, October the 1st. Our lesson this morning is coming to you out of uh, Romans second chapter, verses 12 through uh, 12 through uh, 24, verses 28 through 29. Uh, our verse this morning, as we look at our lesson, our key text is, He is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Out of our lesson this morning, our quarterly study is, God's law is love, faith triumphs, and law fails. Our lesson aims this morning, as we study, is to reinstate what makes a person a Jew, and then explain the importance of circumcision of the heart, and then make a plan to ensure that our actions serve as teaching examples of those who do not know Jesus Christ. So we have a beautiful lesson this morning, inward and outward. Uh, again, as we look at this lesson, hopefully we'll get a greater understanding of our inward and our outward expressions when it comes to our relationship with Christ. So our text says this morning, for as many who have sinned without law, uh, shall also perish without law, and many that have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but doers of the law shall be justified. When the Gentiles hear had not the law, and do by nature the things that are contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts and the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and makest thou boast of God. And knowing uh, his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law and are confident that thyself are the guide of the blind and the light of them are in darkness and an instructor of the foolish and the teacher of babes which has a form of knowledge and of the truth in the law though therefore which teaches another thou teachest thyself and thou preachest and, and should not steal and dost thou steal? And thou sayest a man should not commit adultery. Dost thou commit adultery? And thou avoidest idols. Dost not thou commit sacrilege? And thou makest thou boast of the law. Through breaking of the law dishonorest thou God. Uh, for the same God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. As it is written. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men and but of God. Again, we want to be able to look at our lesson today to look at uh, what makes a person a Jew and then explain the importance of circumcision of the heart and then make a plan to ensure that uh, his or her actions serve as teaching examples. So let us bow. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come. And as we come, Lord, we ask that you would just 
Lord, your dear servant, down in the deep well of our salvation. Lord, we thank you today. We praise you. Give me teaching power. This is our prayer in Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Let every heart say, Amen. Amen. In our introduction, again, inward and outward, we're talking about heart surgery. Uh, a dear woman in the church who was ministered uh, went into the hospital for heart surgery. And when uh, was made a post-surgical visit, I was surprised. Her husband told me that the surgeon had replaced a defective valve in her heart with a pig's heart or pig valve. And then he used a porcine valve, which is a human heart, has the practice over 30 years and is known as receiving exographic tissue. And that meaning non-human tissue. In one round dangerous uh, various types of heart surgery uh, and included in minimal invasion you have a keyhole procedure that small holes or incisions are made and these tiny cameras and robotic assistive tools go in and help to uh, complete the surgery. The ultimate heart surgery is a heart transplant and in Paul's text today the uh, necessity of the heart of a human survival was recognized and the surgical repairs of the heart were unknown at that time but it's ironic then that Paul unknowingly anticipated some of the wonders of the modern medicine when he wrote about a spiritual heart surgery and what he calls circumcision of the heart and the lesson in the day explores what Paul means by this curious choice of words in our background this morning in our lesson context, Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome about uh, 40 or uh, 58 AD and near the end of his missionary journey and he had visited Rome and had hoped that he'd be there in the near future and despite his lack of first-hand familiarity with that church, Paul was quite knowledgeable about the issues that was causing that desertion there in the church in Rome, conflict between the Christians of Jewish and Gentile backgrounds were one of those issues. And this may have been uh, sharpened by the expulsion of all of the Jews from the city around 49 AD by Emperor Claudius at that time. But uh, by the time Paul wrote, Claudius was dead and the Jews had returned to Rome and, and this included Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians had necessarily probably taken over some of the positions that was left by uh, the expulsion of the Jewish Christians from that church at that time. And uh, at that time, uh, circumcision, a sign of the old covenant, may have become a flashpoint in the conflict because the Gentiles had not been circumcised. And from the Hebrew pers uh, perspective, circumcision uh, began with Abraham as a sign of the covenant between Abraham and God. And this was around 200 B.C. Uh, about 550 years later, circumcision of male babies was established as a, a codified as to uh, occur when the baby was, what, eight days old. And tradition began with Abraham and Isaac. And the God-given instructions of Abraham seem to have been uh, presumed to be uh, that the man knew what circumcision was, that implying that circumcision had been practiced by other nations all around them, uh, even in the Egyptian uh, uh, culture. In Paul's day around uh, the first century AD, neither the Romans nor the Greeks had practiced circumcision at that time. Greeks viewed circumcision as an intentional mon of mutilation of the body. A uh, prohibition of that practice had been uh, a notable factor of the uh, 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 Maccabean revolt, and it began in uh, 167 B.C. And Paul addressed these implications of circumcision issue uh, linked in the book of Galatians, but he also did in Romans 2 in our today's text. So 
So we, let's begin with just judgment. Coming out of Romans 12, 2nd chapter, verses 12 through 16, with or without the law. Our scripture says, for as many have sinned without the law shall perish without the law, and many that have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Uh, this expression here is Paul is saying that, uh, that those who have sinned uh, without the law shall perish. So there is no uh, redemption for those that uh, have no forgiveness available to them because law condemns us and all of us are found guilty by the law. But he said, but many have have sinned in the law shall not, he said, whether you are an unbeliever or a Gentile or whether you are a Jew, the law condemns you and you shall be judged by the law. You can't escape uh, the judgment of the law. The law is the measure by which uh, we are judged. He said this, the schoolmaster that teaches us and shows us how to live in relationship with God. Uh, verse 13, hearers and doers. He says, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So he's saying here, uh, if you are uh, doing the law, uh, if you're a Gentile or if you are a Jew, uh, the, the law is just before God. But the doers of the law are the ones being justified. So if you are doing the law, we're going to read on later, by the law or by nature, God gives us the glory. He gives us of the benefit of the law, knowing that he has written that law upon the tablets of our heart. Verse 14, when the Gentiles, which had not the law, do by nature the things that are contained in the law, these having not the law are uh, uh, a law unto themselves. So God had written uh, the law upon the tablets of our heart. You go back and look at uh, 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 the creation story about Adam and Eve and the Adam and Eve story was not a written law, but God wrote that law upon what? The tablets of their heart. He expressed to them what things that they should not do. The commandments he gave to them, he wrote it to them, or he spoke it to them verbally, or he, he spoke to them what through the uh, expression of their heart. He, he let them know in their heart what things were right and what things are wrong. Even you today, by nature, we know what things are right, what things are wrong. Even if we have not had a deep study of the Bible, by nature, God puts into us, imputes into our hearts, knowing right from wrong. He said that the Gentiles had not the law, but by nature, they did the things that were in the law. And then having not the law, uh, a law unto themselves. So you have a law inside all of us. God has planted the law inside of us by his spirit. And his spirit will give us uh, an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. And their conscience are also bearing witness, and their thoughts are the mean while uh, uh, accusing or else excusing one another. Uh, sometimes he says that this sometimes is opening of the door of the possibility of the Gentile achieving a state of righteousness without knowing the law of Moses, which introduces the concept of what conscious and inner knowing. Paul uses this a form of 21 times in his epistles. Sometimes the word implies to know or to be aware of uh, something. And other times it refers to what? There is a moral sensitivity God puts down on the inside of each of us. The latter is probably the meaning here. Even without having the law of Moses, 
everyone has a built-in sense of right and wrong, a moral compass that directs us uh, to live with one another and to uh, have a relationship with one another. But this guy can be what? It can be suppressed. Uh, the, the spirit that is in the world today, this, the prince of the air, can um, uh, it can give you illusions and and thoughts and and things that um, that will suppress uh, that 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 ability or that spirit inside of you to know what's right from wrong. So we have to understand that that can be suppressed and it is suppressed. In Romans one and eight, it says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against." the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So you can suppress knowing right from wrong, but you don't have to do it. I think it was a doctor, uh, 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 Dr. Thurman Evans, uh, Thurman, he said that uh, to know right don't mean you're going to do right. But you can't do right without knowing right, but knowing right don't necessarily make you do right. See, you got to be a knowing uh, 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 you got to be a, a hearer of the word, but he said not only a hearer, you got to be what? A doer of the word. So you got to be obedient to the word. So just knowing is not good enough. You have to know, but you also have to exercise that knowledge in trusting God, in doing what God commands you to do, and feel as though that that is the right thing to do because God has pressed that thing into your spirit. So verse 16, secret and public violators. It says, in the day that God shall judge the secrets of men taught by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Paul here had a personal relationship with the gospel. He said that it's my gospel. See, we need to have that relationship with our, uh, our, our call to the ministry. This is our call. This is what God has called us to do. So we have to have that personal uh, uh, relationship with the gospel to be able to go out and teach others. He said that God will judge the secret of men's heart according to the gospel. And the gospel, uh, it, it says that it, it cuts going and coming. The word of God is a two-edged sword. So it goes cutting, going and coming. So that word of God shall judge the secret of men's heart. Nothing shall be hid. All things shall be revealed according to the word of God. Nothing is hid that shall not be uncovered. Huh? That's what the word of God tells us. So we have to have that relationship because God knows the secrets of our heart. Uh, again, he said that Paul is talking about this personal relationship that he had with Jesus Christ because Jesus uh, 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 converted him on that road to Damascus when he knocked him down to the ground where he, he saw the Spirit of God speaking to him through Christ Jesus. Our next study is false faithfulness, false faithfulness coming out of Romans 2nd chapter verses 17 through 24. Boastful credentials. Verse 17 and 18 says, Behold, thou called the Jew, and y'all restest in the law, and maketh thy boast of God, and you knoweth his will, and you proveth the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. He says that, Behold, thou called the Jew, and you rest in the law, and you make boast of God, and you know his will, and you approve of the things that are more excellent, and being instructed out of the law. Paul turns his attention to the Jewish background, his propositions that began with diverse conditions said, uh, if, he's talking about an if clause here, if you are called a Jew, if 
you rest in the law, if you make boast of God, if you know his will, then you should be living what? According to his will. He gives them an if clause, this hypothesis that takes form that you might call a resume of righteousness, a listing of the Christians of the Jewish background that might uh, have evidence of their superiority to Christians of the Gentile background. They thought that they, because they were Jew, they had a higher standing than the Gentile Christians. Uh, but you got to realize the Bible says that there is no Greek, no Jew, no bond, no free in Christ. We are all equal, but sometimes we can get ourselves feeling that we are a little bit up on somebody else. He says that we have to be careful of that because uh, that, that, that's if we are, we have to show evidence. You have to show evidence of your relationship that you have with God through Jesus Christ by what? By the evidence of your life. Your life should be a written resume or a written epistle in itself. Uh, verse 19 and 20 says that, uh, And art confident of thyself, art a guide to the blind, a light to them that are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, and a teacher of the babes, which has a form of knowledge and the truth of the law. Uh, before reading uh, the conclusion of this argument, Paul adds more of these hypotheses to his if clauses. He said the two verses described an ancient Jewish attitude uh, toward Gentiles as a guide to the blind. The Jews had spiritual insights that the Gentiles had lacked. But combined with the image of this light unto them that are in darkness, this situation describes spiritual blindness and the Gentiles' inability to be able to know and to follow God's will fully and be able to know that the Jews living by God's law were to be a model to those Gentiles of righteousness and that condemned sin. But while drawing people to God and to his glory, consequently the Jews would lead themselves to be instructors and teachers in that regard. You've got to be careful when you're trying to teach people and then you don't have that, that same uh, uh, understanding of the word in your own personal life. And then uh, he tells us blasphemous hypocrisy in verse 21. He said, Thou therefore teachest another, but teachest thou not thyself. And, and, and he says here that you're utilizing uh, uh, the, the, the time or the opportunity that God has given you to know the word, to raise up. You got all of these if clauses. You are bound together with God. You have a relationship with him. If you are, why therefore that you can teach one another, but you can't teach yourself. How can you teach others when you are not walking in the word yourself? You need to be obedient to the word. This does not mean that a preacher cannot preach uh, and, con and convict himself. Every time we preach, we should have a conviction for ourselves. We should be stepping on our own toes. But what he is saying here, you shouldn't be high-minded about it. You shouldn't be a, a blasphemous about it. You shouldn't be a hypocrite telling other people that you are doing things, but you are not doing those things yourselves. Verse 21b said, Thou preachest a man that he should not steal, but you steal. Then you say to this man not to commit adultery, but does thou commit adultery? And thou should abhor e or idols. You tell them to abhor idols, but does thou commit sacrilege with idols yourself? And Paul delivers this, uh, this, this uh, 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 message to them to say that their behavior 
or had been forgotten, had been forbidden by God. And, and since Paul had never visited this church, he did not have certain specifics about what was going on in that church. But it should be reminded of Paul's background. He was a student, sat under Gamiel, and, and then he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And, and then he understood what uh, conditions sometimes people got themselves in. And he says that sometimes as an insider, Paul understood that sometimes famous teachers whose private lives does not line up with their teachings. And you need to be careful about that. Watch and fight and pray and understand that everybody, especially the world, has its eyes on us. We need to be careful to not to show ourselves not living according to the will of God and then others that are non-believers see us and that become a negative influence into their lives. Uh, the Greek word translated uh, sacrilege is difficult, but it says that where it appears, it, it agrees that, uh, that it is about robbing the temple or stealing. Uh, one third Paul was saying that referring to the possibility of some of the Jews, even readers, uh, themselves by dishonorable contact with pagan uh, people and temples and, and messing around with other gods, touching things that are not of God. He said that because of that, uh, they were committing sacrilege themselves. They were committing adultery and, and they were stealing from the people. They were taking payments under the table. You know, uh, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were caught up into uh, the, the Roman rule and they had to make sure that everything they did did not offend the Romans. So some of them were taking things that are not according uh, to the word of God and they were doing things that, that they were trying to teach not to do, but they were involved in those things themselves. Verse 23 and 24, it says, Thou makest thou boast of the law, and through breaking of the law dishonorest thou God. And for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. Ain't that something? God is, uh, uh, the, the accusation that Paul is making that, that these people, they dishonored God by, by saying that they are living uh, in the will of God, but they're operating outside of that will. He said, for the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. It is your ministry. It is your work. It is your lifestyle that is causing the Gentiles uh, to draw away from God. And, 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 and that's a negative even in today's culture. The more we live outside of the will of God as true believers, we become a negative influence to those who have not accepted Christ. So we should be a light to the world, but instead of being a detriment to the world, true identity is our next study, part three, Romans 2nd chapter, verses 28 and 29. He said, outward appearances, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, Neither is that circumcision which is outward of the flesh. So he said, you can be a Jew outwardly all you want, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the heart. God, can you can look like all you want on the outside, but it's what's on the inside that said outwardly and inwardly is our study. And then he says, inward convictions. He says, but he is a Jew which is what? One inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. And in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. He said the true identity of a Jew, the true identity of a believer, the true identity of a Christian.
Christian is one inwardly, not circumcision of, of, of the flesh, but what? Circumcision of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. We need to be able to have that spiritual transformation on the inside. Paul tells the first day in Rome, be not transformed uh, by the be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And that's what we need to do. We need that transformation, that inward circumcision of our heart, whereby we will be able to uh, transform our lives, but also be a what? Positive witness to those that are without. God wants us to have that inward feeling, not the outward, to be able to show people who we are, People are going to see who you are by your actions, not by your outward appearance. So as we conclude our lesson this morning, circumcised heart. You know, the idea of a circumcised heart was powerful for Moses and Paul, but it must be also for us today. Uh, can we humble ourselves and leave behind our tendencies uh, to be stiff-necked? And can we trust fully Christ for our salvation and not our own good works? But Paul's exposition in uh, the rest of the book of Romans required that the Jews and Gentiles realize their need of God's salvation because we're all under the power of sin. And for both groups, hope comes not from keeping of the law, but whether it be of the law of conscience or of the law of Moses, uh, this salvation only comes to us through faith in Christ. So our prayer this evening is Heavenly Father. May our hearts turn away from pride and, and sin and toward you in faith and in hope. And may our trust be only for your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray it in his name and let the household of faith say amen. So our thought to remember today is God wants a humble, obedient heart. And when he gets our heart, he gets everything that belongs to us, our inward and our outward. God bless you. Hope that you have a greater understanding of this inward and outward relationship that we have. Our inward uh, should express our outward and our outward should express our inward. But our inward thoughts, our inner thoughts are the things that God look at and we shall be judged by. He judge a man by the content of his heart. So we thank God for you joining us this morning. Uh, we're going to depart for a second here. Then we'll get back at the 930 hour for our worship hour. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you and be ye blessed. We'll see you when we get back.